0: I turn you to the words of the psalm that we sung part of and that we have read in its entirety early or in the service. The subject today is our mighty fortress, our mighty fortress. It is appropriate today that we mention the name of the great reformer Martin Luther. And of course, this is Reformation Sunday. And we think about the great work of the Reformation. In speaking about Psalm 46, Martin Luther said this, We sing this psalm to the praise of God because God is with us and powerfully and miraculously preserves, defends his church and his word against all fanatical spirit against the gates of hell, against the implacable hatred of the devil, against the assaults of the world, the flesh and sin. Luther, of course, is one of the key figures in church history. A man mightily used of God in the Reformation. The year 1527 was the most difficult year in the life of Martin Luther. After ten demanding years of leading the Reformation, a dizzy spell overcame him in the middle of a sermon on the 22nd of April of that year, forcing him to stop preaching. Luther feared for his life. On July the 6th, while eating dinner with friends, he felt an acute buzzing in his ear and lay down convinced that he was at the end of his life. He partially regained his strength, but a debilitating discouragement set in as a result. In addition, heart problems and other complications escalated the pangs of death. Of this ordeal, Martin Luther wrote, I spent more than a week in death and hell. My entire, body, my entire body was in pain, and I still tremble. I felt completely abandoned by the Lord. I labored under vacillations and storms of desperation and blasphemy against God. And what was worse, at this time the dreaded black plague had entered Germany and spread into Wittenberg. Many people had fled, fearing for their lives. Yet Luther and his wife, Katie, remained, believing it was their duty to care for the sick and for the dying. Although Katie was expecting their second child, Luther's house was transformed into a hospital where he watched many friends die. Then, without warning, his one-year-old son, Hans, became desperately ill. With death surrounding him on every side, Luther was driven to seek refuge in God as never before. And Psalm 46 became the strength of his soul. As a result, Luther expanded its truths into the hymn that we have sung this morning. A mighty fortress is our God. What a hymn. It's majestic and tremendous proclamation of God, who is our all-sufficient refuge in our weakest moments, has become the enduring symbol of the Reformation. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work its woe. His craft and power are great. And armed with cruel hate on earth is not as equal. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to him abided. The spirit and the gifts are ours. Thou through him with us decideth. Let goods and kindreds go. This mortal life also. The body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. What truth in the words of this great hymn we have sung this morning. Like Martin Luther The author of Psalm 46 found solace and refuge in God during difficult times. And perhaps you're in a difficult place this morning. In a difficult time in the journey of your life. Things have been happening maybe few know about. Except those closest to you. Maybe even nobody knows about. Apart from yourself. And today, you find yourself in need of help. God is our refuge and our strength. The background for this song of praise is unknown, but it was probably written after a military victory over a foreign power that attempted a siege against Jerusalem. According to the superscription of this psalm, it was written by one of the sons of Korah, And was for the director of music. Alamoth may refer to the pitch of the music, denoting that it was to be high for the treble and soprano voices. Our mighty fortress. What a psalm this is. What a comfort this psalm has been and will be to all in midst of trial and trouble and trauma. I remember many years ago, a dear brother who had lost a loved one. I went to see him after the funeral and I read him the psalm he said to me, Mr. Smiley, read it again. And I read it again. And what comfort it gave to his aching heart. John Wesley's dying words were these best of all God is with us. We're based on this psalm 46. Our mighty fortress. May we be blessed this morning as we consider the theme and the words of this very familiar psalm. A mighty fortress. I want you to think about three things in the psalm this morning. First of all, the refuge. Verses 1 to 3, you will notice how the psalm has at the end of the various portions the word Selah, causing us to pause and consider what we have read in those words. God is a very strong refuge for his people, providing safety from the most discouraging and devastating circumstances. I suggest to you this morning, He is our immovable refuge. When we are attacked and assailed by the discouraging and distressing circumstances of life, God is our refuge. The one in whom His people find protection and find strength and find stability. God is pictured here as a refuge, meaning a strong shelter from danger, an unconquerable fortress, or a walled city in which protection is found. The word refuge in verse 1 means a shelter, a rock of refuge. Why the word that's used in verses 7 and 11 of the psalm mean a stronghold or a t- high tower or a fortress. Both words declare that God is for his people a dependable refuge when all around us seems to be falling apart. Psalm 61 verse 3, For thou hast been a shelter for me, and a strong tower from the enemy. Psalm 62, verses 7 and 8. In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before Him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Psalm 142. And again, we read there in the verse 5 I cried unto thee, O Lord, I said, Thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. And trouble found the psalmist. God was his strength, upholding him and enabling him to stand in the midst of fiery trials. To have trouble means to be in a tight place, to be restricted, to be tied up, or to be in a narrow, cramped space. The psalmist was between a rock and a hard place with no way out. Yet God was to him a very present help in trouble, or an ever-present help in trouble, immediately present, Instantly available to His people. For He never leaves us, nor forsakes us. No matter what your situation may be this morning, the Lord never ever leaves us, and never ever forsakes us. Look at verses 2 and 3 of the psalm. Having understood the all-sustaining power of God, the psalmist wrote, Therefore will not we fear. We will not fear. What a bold statement this is. In God, inspired by the greatness of the Almighty, regardless of what the psalmist and the people of God face, they have no reason to fear. God is in control. So many people are wringing their hands today at the situation in our nation and beyond. But let me remind you, God is in control. The Bible says here, therefore will not we fear. Though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, it goes on. Here's a picture of confusion. Represented as a momentous earthquake. That caused an upheaval of the tall lofty mountains. The earth may change. The mountains may be hurled violently into the sea. There may be earthquakes and tidal waves and tsunamis. But all these things are in the control of our sovereign Lord. There are many in this world. And even among the Lord's people who feel insecure at the thought of approaching old age, like the man who always loved to read a book with the title, How Not to Grow Old, while at the same time, any sign of aging was his constant worry. If someone guessed his age, as a couple of years younger, he was happy. But the more he worried, the older he looked. There are others who feel insecure because they think life is passing them by. The fear of being left out in a contemporary society. Maybe the worry of some young people here today. The fear of never able to be married. All of this can cause a terrible sense of insecurity and upset the balance of life. But God says fear not. I'm in control. The Bible says, and this great verse in Romans 8 and 28 is often quoted, All things work together for good to them that love God, who are the called according to his purpose. I always say not some things or not most things, but all things work together for good. Look at verse 3. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled... Though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Sheila, the restlessness of the sea is portrayed here. And the sea stands for that which is menacing the menacing chaotic situations that defy any system and order. Insecurity may be caused by fear or moral and spiritual failure, earthquake or shaking circumstances as the mountains crash into the sea. The sea responds by flooding outside of its assigned barriers. And when one's cherished ideals and values and standards are questions, there's a sense of insecurity that overtakes people. A young Christian girl brought up in the security of a good, godly Christian home. When she went to university, she had to stay in a hostel in a big city. The atmosphere there, as you'll appreciate, was very secular and worldly. She was greatly afraid that she would lose her spiritual standards and values. A sense of great insecurity gripped her. She felt that she was filled with worldliness and sin would overwhelm her. In spite of all this turmoil, That pictures devastating circumstances, seemingly out of control. We need not fear, for God, I repeat this morning, is in control. Circumstances may change, but God's covenant with his people will never change. Listen to these words in Isaiah 54, the 54th chapter of Isaiah and verse 10 Listen to what it says. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from thee, neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on me. What a word! He is our high tower, our refuge amidst the uncertainties of life. The refuge. That's the first three verses. And I want to come to the verses 4 to 7 and speak about the river. How inexhaustible this is. The river of life. Oh, it's spoken of in various scriptures. The book of Ezekiel. John's Gospel, chapter 7. Again, Revelation 22 and 1. The river of life. It gives life. It's God's unfeeling supply. When all of our resources feel as they do, God's supply and his resources are sure. And what gladness it brings to our souls today to know this refreshing supply that God continually gives to his people when all other resources have dried up, God's stream is still flowing, is adequate for our continued needs. The river of God. What a blessed river that is. And How we can tap into the resources of our God, continually. His inexhaustible resources and how we need them. In the many crises and challenges of life that we face. The city of God is mentioned. Zion is a picture of a heavenly community. And there's the security in the community of God's love. In the fellowship of the saints of God. Many years ago, a man called Zangara made an attempt on the life of President Roosevelt. He was interviewed and asked, do you belong to a church? He replied, no, no. I belong to nothing. I belong only to myself and I suffer. When a man or a woman, a young person belongs only to themselves, they will always suffer. On the other hand, in the Christian fellowship, there is security. We have friendship." We have that drawing together in the fellowship of the saints of God. This is the wonder of the church. In order to make this fellowship meaningful, there must be a commitment one to the other as firm as the commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Commitment to the body of Christ is as important as the commitment to Christ himself. Are you fully committed this morning? Committed to the body of God's people as you are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the company of the committed, there is healing and security. The richness, the fullness of fellowship with Christ and with one another. And the psalmist says here, God is in the midst of her. That's what he says. God is in the midst of her, verse 5. His presence. The reality of his presence. He's right there in the midst of his people. In fact, he says, Matthew 18, 20, where two or three are met together in my name, there am I in the midst of them, the Lord in the midst of his people. You see, he does not leave us comfortless. He does not leave us isolated. He does not leave us alone. And we're ever conscious. The sense of the divine presence. His power. Notice the words here. Verse 5, she shall not be moved. God shall help her in that right early. Unshakable. Unshakable. Immovable. Knowing his continued help right from the dawning of every day. How we have proved that again and again and again. Verse 6. The heathen raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. Yes, we have the raging of the heathen today. We have the moving of the kingdoms. But all he has to do is speak. And the enemy is defeated. For he's the all-powerful one. He's the omnipotent God. He's the one that we trust in this morning. He's the one that we rely upon, no matter what is happening around about us in this world. Don't be filled with consternation. But know this, that God is in the midst of His people. And God is in control. We repeat it again this morning. The Lord of hosts. Notice that term in verse 7. The Lord of the armies of the heaven and earth. That's the meaning. This name for God is first found in Scripture when Hannah asked God to give her a son in 1 Samuel 1.11. He's the commander of the armies of the Lord. He's always with us. You remember when Joshua met the Lord. Wonderful picture of the Lord Jesus there in the book of Joshua chapter 5. The fifth chapter of the book of Joshua, verses 13 to 15. It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said, Unto him art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain, listen, of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship. And said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thy stand is holy. And Joshua did so. He was on holy ground, brethren and sisters. The Lord of hosts. may would be brought to holy ground this morning. As Joshua was. May we see the Lord this morning. As just you saw the Lord. May it be so. Even in this service. He's Emmanuel. God with us. God with us. What a beautiful picture of the Lord Jesus. No matter what the circumstances. We may drink at the river of His joy and blessing and find peace and strength, that peace and strength that we so desperately need. Peace in the midst of life's storm. Are you in the storm today? Are you in trouble in your family? Maybe your circumstances, maybe physically, mentally, whatever it is. The Lord says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stead on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And so we have here, in these words, the refuge. And then we have the river. But then in verses 8 to 11, we have the ruler. You see, the battle belongs to the Lord. He will fight the evil forces that threaten his people. Come behold the works of the Lord. What desolations, desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear and sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. There you have that term again. The God of Jacob is our refuge. The scene is that of the fields surrounding Jerusalem. Where the Assyrian soldiers lay dead. Their weapons, their equipment scattered and broken. There had been no battle, but the angel of the Lord left this evidence behind to encourage the faith of his people. Behold the works of the Lord. Verse 8. What desolations he hath made in the earth. The Lord defeated and disarmed his enemies, destroyed their weapons, they could attack no more. Furthermore, see what the psalmist declared in verse 9. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. Meaning that he could enforce his peace upon his defeated enemies. Be assured this morning that at the end of the day God will win the victory in his deliverance of his people. We're on the victory side this morning. He has won the victory for us. As Paul said, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And then he says this. What a blessed word is this. Be still. I thought about those words. It literally means take your hands off. Relax. You know, we like to be hands on. How often do we use that term? People that manage our own lives. But God is God. And we are but his servants. To be still is to cease from our activity. It is to wait in faith and anticipation. And that is why the verse says, Be still and know that I am God. Martin Luther translated this verse in this way. Be thou silent unto God and let him mold thee. Let me repeat that. Be thou silent unto God and let him mold thee. Someone else has referred to these words. In this way, all the troubles of life come upon us because we refuse to sit quietly for a while each day in our rooms. Be still. I know that I am God. And in this silence of faith, I suggest, we know God. This means knowing God as He is. You know, often is it where we put a mask on the face of God and we never see the real God. We make Him just an extension of ourselves and make our will His will and our voice His voice. But here the psalmist says that we must strip ourselves of all our own concepts of God and know Him as He is. Know Him as He is. May that be so today. This also demands that we come into His presence just as we are in order that we might be still and know Him. It is in this knowledge that comes through an honest exposure of ourselves to God through faith in Him and submission to Him that we find His security. See how He calls Himself in verse 11 the God of Jacob. The God of Jacob. We remember how often Jacob got into trouble because he tried to do his own thing. He had a will of his own, as we would say. He tried to do his own thing and go his own way. He got his hands on the circumstances and tried to play God. There's a time to obey God and act, but until then, we'd better take our hands off and allow him to work in his own time and in his own way. If we seize his promises by faith with both hands we won't be able to meddle. God allows us often in life to get into tight places. As we said earlier to be between the rock and the hard place. So that our faith grows and he will be exalted. Martin Luther, at the time of his death, February the 18th, 1546, was already recognized as a great reformer, one of the leading figures in the history of the church. As he lay on his deathbed, his last words were these, Our God is the God from whom comes salvation. God is the Lord. By whom we escape death. Firm to the end. Luther remained strong in his faith in the Lord. He had deep discouragements, as we mentioned earlier. Great disappointments in his life. But God was his mighty fortress. A bulwark never failing, both in life and in death. May He be your fortress today, your bulwark throughout your life and in your death. God will guide us in life, He will guard us in death. How easily it is for us as believers to become fearful when circumstances and troubles rise up as they do. The storms of life often seem to be so imposing that our hearts faint within us. And greater and greater the problems may grow, causing us great distress, disquiet, discouragement, and to be dismayed. This is why it is so important this morning as Christians. In 2022, to keep our eyes firmly fixed upon God. Focusing upon your problems breeds fear. But looking to God increases faith, brings peace and comfort. Truly God is our mighty fortress. But maybe you're hearing the sermon this morning and you're not saved. You have no refuge. You have no hope. Just a few days ago, I was in a home where there was such a situation. No hope. My friend, the gospel brings hope. The Lord Jesus Christ is your only hope. For now, for eternity. Over 50 years ago as a lad I put my trust in Christ. He has been my hope and remains my hope both now and forever. He can be yours too. Will you trust my Savior this morning? And know this mighty fortress. Let us pray. Father, indelibly write upon every heart the truth of thy holy word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The closing hymn is 443. Be still, my soul. The Lord is on my side. Bear patiently the cross of grief or pain. Leave to thy God to order and provide. In every change he faithful will remain. Be still, my soul. Thy best, thy heavenly friend, through thorny ways leads to a joyful end. What blessed words these are. I trust the Lord will cause you to think upon them as you sing this morning as you remember his word as we stand after the introduction and sing